Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. Elisha went up from there to Bethel, and while he was going on the way, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him, saying, Go away, baldhead! Go away, baldhead! When Elisha turned around and saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two she-bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. From there, he went on to Mount Carmel and then returned to Samaria. This, this is the word of the Lord? Yeah, I can tell you really meant it. Have you ever noticed that sometimes expectations are tricky? Take my honeymoon, for example. When we were engaged, I spent months persuading Deb that we should go on a South Caribbean cruise for our honeymoon. Honey, we'll fly down to Puerto Rico, we'll get on that cruise ship, we'll visit St. Martin, Martinique, Barbados, Antigua. It will be beautiful. I'm not a beach person, but you are, and I will enjoy being pampered, and I will love all the delicious food and the spectacular sights. Honey, can we do this? And finally, she relented and said, okay, Let's do it. I knew we were in trouble when we got to Puerto Rico, but our luggage did not. Thankfully, it arrived later that night. Now, I had anticipated that I might have some issue with seasickness. And so I spoke with my physician ahead of time. I got some scopolamine patches. I put them behind my ears the night before. And I was fine. I was going to be okay. I was going to have one heck of a week. But do you know that even in very still water, that ships still go up and down and up and down and back and forth and back and forth? About three hours after I got on board, I developed seasickness. And it went away about three hours after I got off the ship at the end of the week. Yes, right. I spent more time, some of you might remember this commercial, I, I spent more time with the tidy bowl man than I did with Deb that week. It was awful. I, I, at first I thought I was going to die, and then I was afraid I was not going to die. Expectations can be tricky. And I will never, ever get on another cruise ship again. Never. Expectations can be tricky. Expectations are important for us to consider this morning. Today we are celebrating a wonderful, important event in the life of our church. We are ordaining and installing a new class of ruling elders. And I firmly believe and have said for many, many years that a church is only as strong 
as its elders. What might you faithfully expect of them? And what might they expect of you? Expectations can be tricky. But perhaps our scripture passage this morning can provide us some insight. In our Old Testament reading today, we hear a very strange and perplexing story about the prophet Elisha. By a show of hands, please, how many of you had never heard of the story before in 2 Kings? Any of you? Oh, somebody, oh yeah, good. I didn't think many of you had heard it this morning, which was one of the reasons I wanted to share it. 2 Kings tells us that Elisha, the new prophet, was on the way to Bethel and some little boys came out and made fun of him. Hey, bald head, go away. Hey, bald head, go away. And the text tells us that this prophet, Elisha, cursed them in the name of the Lord. I don't even like saying that phrase. Uh, in the name of the Lord. Uh, Elisha cursed them and two bears, two she-bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. This is the word of the Lord? Really? What are we supposed to do with this? Uh, does this story at all disturb any of you? I, I am disgusted. I am appalled. I am shocked. Now, in, in ancient society, being bald was a source of shame, and it was an insult to call someone bald. Uh, even so, does calling someone a name merit or justify this kind of response? Go away, bald head, go away, bald head. And then suddenly, up six, seven years old, you're lying on the ground bleeding? Elijah cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there they are. It might be helpful to point out that Elijah has just become the prophet. Elijah had been the prophet. And he had mentored Elisha and taught him what it meant to be a prophet. In this very same chapter, Elijah is whisked away into heaven and Elisha picks up the mantle and now, now he is the prophet for God. Some commentators have argued that the story serves to demonstrate the power of the new prophet. It is a confirmation of Elisha's might and authority to speak on behalf of God, to serve as an instrument of God's voice. This episode, some have noted, lets us know whom we are dealing with. One commentator even goes so far as to say, those juvenile delinquents got exactly what they deserved. To insult God's prophet is to insult God. Really? No, I think not. Some commentators want to say this is a confirmation of Elisha's authority as a spokesperson for God. Instead of saying this, this as a confirmation of leadership, however, I think the author of 2 Kings is trying to teach us a lesson. Elisha was a great prophet. He did many, many wonderful things. But even a great leader, even a servant of the Lord, even one who does wonderful things and holds the admiration and respect of the community, even that person can betray the trust that has been given to her or to him. 
Elisha had been entrusted with the authority to speak on behalf of God, to be God's instrument of proclamation, and what does he do? He goes right out after his ordination and installation, and he abuses his power and authority. And that, that is what this story is about. The perpetuation of violence against the innocent is never, never a confirmation of one's spiritual status. The use of one's gifts towards the exploitation of the young is never an indication of the faithfulness of God's man or God's woman. The abuse of the children in this passage shines a blinking yellow light in our faces that flashes caution, caution, be careful, watch out. If Elisha, with all of his gifts and potential, if Elisha, who had been trained by the great prophet Elijah, if Elisha is capable of cursing the vulnerable, we too, we too might end up deliberately or inadvertently cursing the innocent and the weak. I, I am appalled by Elisha's abuse of power. And yet, as appalled as I am, I am not at all surprised. It is all too familiar. It unfortunately mirrors human existence. For we live in a world in which children are mauled day by day by those who seek to assert their power and legitimize their ill-gotten authority. As you might have read this week, after the Russians withdrew from the city of Izium, the Ukrainians found more than 400 unmarked graves. Some of the deceased were found with their hands bound behind their backs. Others, other bodies bore the marks of torture. And among these dead, who were there? Children. They found children. Whenever power is abused in our world, the young and the innocent will suffer and die. Uh, do these names sound familiar to any of you? Um, Addie Mae Collins, Cynthia Wesley, Carol Robertson, Carol Denise McNair? Yes. They were murdered on September 15, 1963, as they sat in their church. 16th Street Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama. It was the third bombing in 11 days that followed a federal order to integrate. Whenever power is abused in our world, the innocent suffer and die. While no denomination, no faith community, and no organization is impervious to the horrors of child abuse, you know as well as I do that over the past decade, the Catholic Church, the Boy Scouts, and the Southern Baptist Convention have grabbed the headlines. Though denied and dismissed for so long, countless stories have emerged detailing the sexual exploitation of children under their care, under the care of their Sunday school teachers, their priests, their pastors, their pack leaders, their church volunteers, men in positions of trust use the cover of religiosity 
in the name of the Lord they were cursed, and they used the power of their position to abuse physically and emotionally boys, girls, and women. Then two she-bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. This is not simply a story about an ancient prophet. This is the story about the abuse of power in our world. Power, you might recall, is simply, simply the ability to accomplish something, to get something done. But in our world, power far too often is exercised as brute force, as domination, as coercion. Ours is a world in which the children, the weak, the innocent perish because others are always ever groping for more and more power, more and more control to pursue their own personal agenda rather than the agenda of God or the agenda that champions the rights of the unfortunate in our society. So back then, back to my original question. Uh, given the vulnerability that those in power have to uh, abuse their power, perhaps, perhaps not uh, intentionally hurting someone, but perhaps inadvertently neglecting the needs of someone, what might, what might be our proper and faithful expectations of our elders, and what might be their proper and faithful expectations of the rest of us? Let us consider the expectations that Jesus had for himself and his ministry. Luke tells us that following his baptism, he returned to his hometown and Jesus read from the prophet of the scroll, Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus read these words from the prophet Isaiah, and then he sat down, and he looked at his friends and his family, those he had known for 30 years, and he said to them, this passage has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus made a commitment early in his ministry, and he lived it out to exercise his power by siding with the powerless, by siding with the poor and the oppressed and the blind and the imprisoned and the weak. How did Jesus use his power in the world? He welcomed, he welcomed little children to sit with him. He shocked the religious sensibilities of his time by having table fellowship with sinners. He reached out to the Gentiles. He did what no self-respecting rabbi would ever do. He welcomed, embraced, and taught women as he did men. He cared for the sick and the lame and the maimed. He reached out to those who had been mauled by the injustice of society. How does Jesus use power in his life? Quite simply, he lived a life of suffering love. He cared and loved and lived for those who had been beaten and abused and cast out. Unlike Elisha, 
unlike the Elishas of history, and unlike the Elishas of our time, Jesus did not exercise power as force or manipulation or domination. No, Jesus exercised power through the gifts of mercy, compassion, kindness, and patience. So what, what, what might we rightly expect of our elders? And what might they expect of us? I would say that you, you should expect them to use the authority given to them by God through the voice of this congregation to practice, as Jesus did, radical hospitality, to embrace the weak and the vulnerable, to challenge systems in our society that harm the innocent, the young, and the old. Expect that in every decision they make, in every deliberation they have, to focus on Christ and Christ's mission to bring good news to the poor and release to the captives and liberation to the oppressed. Expect them to reach beyond the ideological polarization of our society, to embrace those who are different, to see in the other the very presence of Christ. Expect that they will use their admirable and tremendous gifts to build up our church, to build it up so that others on the Upper East Side might see that we also follow Jesus. Expect them and encourage them to enjoy their service in this church, to find joy and immense satisfaction in leading you. Expect them not to let their personal agendas ever get in the way of God's agenda. And expect them to challenge you again and again and again to stretch your imagination, to risk seeing God in unexpected places and serving God in unexpected ways. And what might they, what might our elders expect of you? Many things are important, but Two things are particularly relevant today. First, our elders can expect you to pray for them day after day after day. Pray for their needs. Pray for their families. Pray that the Spirit of God will grace them with vision and wisdom. And secondly, they can expect you to follow them as Christ leads them, to follow where Christ takes us, and to love as Christ loves us. That's what they expect of you. To love one another, to love them, and to love our world with the passion and compassion of Jesus Christ. Expectations are tricky, and I am never taking another cruise. But today, perhaps, they're not so tricky. We hear a call to invest our gifts of time, talent, and treasure into Christ's ministry at Madison Avenue. 
we can expect one another to keep our focus on Christ.